This message of Acts 3 is one of sharing faith beyond what they already had. And as I think about them, uh, why would they choose, like willingly choose, to go to another country for the rest of their life to share this message in a place where it's challenging? I mean, just to say it in a little bit, it's challenging. And yesterday, we had this celebration of life for Shirley. And Shirley asked specifically that the gospel would be presented at this funeral. Now, that's a very, I mean, you have to think about the outsider coming in. At someone's funeral, where it's supposed to be all about them, they willingly said and chose that I want the gospel presented. I want Jesus Christ to be told so that if there's anyone in the room that doesn't know them, they would have a chance to hear that message. Why do we do that? Why do we care so much about sharing? And when we look at this book of Acts chapter 3, we see a very interesting story because the truth of the fact is right after Jesus has left, the Holy Spirit has fallen, the tongues of fire moment that has just happened with what we call the Pentecost. All of that happens and 3,000 people come to know Christ as their personal Savior. In that moment, they could have said, God, you have done so much here. You've given us 3,000 people that we are now going to disciple for you. We're going to spend time with. We're going to, we're going to deeply invest into them. And I think we would have been all okay with that. That makes sense. Think about Canyon Hills. If for some reason we just caught fire and 3,000 people start coming. We get so excited about the 3,000, and we spend the next 20 years discipling the 3,000, and it sounds so good. We have churches like this where you spend so much time in this discipleship, and yet when we watch these stories in the Bible, that's not exactly what we see. We see love and care for each other, but we see them continuing to go out and share and share and share. They're continuing to move forward. Why? So look at this story in Acts 3. Well, we, uh, the backstory, what we're kind of leaning into here is they come across uh, someone who's crippled and basically just asking for money because they've been there a long time. Obviously, as the story progresses, everyone has known this person that's crippled and always asking for money in this scenario. And here's what they do. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. They tell this man to walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And as you can imagine, he's a bit overwhelmed by that. He's excited by it. He starts running around and jumping up and down, and everyone's like, whoa, I actually know who this guy is. And he's running around and jumping, and so they go naturally over to Peter and Paul, and they're like, what in the world happened here? And they begin to share about Jesus. And they say, "Why? I don't understand how you, you don't know. You were probably, I, don't, I wasn't there, so I don't know this to be sure, but you were probably firsthand witnesses to what happened with Jesus Christ, or at least you heard it firsthand, what happened with Jesus Christ. And so they begin to share this message. They say to him in the next verses, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed, healed him, as you can all see. And they go on and they share who Jesus is. And 2,000 more people are added to the kingdom of God in that moment. Now let that really sink in. Because they could have sat there and just continued to disciple. 
But instead, the discipleship included evangelism. It included them sharing this message on a daily basis. And everything is really nice until the religious people show up. It's always a bad sign when the religious people show up in the Bible. It's not that way anymore, though, right? We're all, it's, it's good now. Uh, the next verse feels like this. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard this message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So why, why did they care so much about sharing this message of Jesus? Why did they continue to move forward and share this message of Jesus Christ? That's the question I want us to explore today. Because we could very easily sit back and say, I am so excited about God. And I so appreciate this newfound Jesus Christ, this Holy Spirit living within me. And I feel so blessed, so blessed, that I have heaven, it's coming in my future, that I have the abundant life right here, right now. And I just sense God, and I feel God, and I'm excited about God, and we could sit in that. But what the Bible shows us from this point and on and on, book after book, verse after verse, that you can't sit there that we're, we're called to continue to share and share and share. Why? In Matthew 5.15, it tells us this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we begin to share, you'll notice in those verses, it actually starts with just your good deeds. The message of who Christ is, is shown in your good deeds. And what that really is saying is you can make people stumble in doing evil deeds and doing bad things, and people seeing you and they see these bad things, and that can make people stumble, but you can also make people stumble by not showing Christ through your good deeds. We are called in the very first level of this relationship with Christ is now there should be this outpouring of good deeds that begin to happen all around us. That's the first step as we begin to shine a light. And we naturally should be shining a light when we come to know this Christ as our Savior. Then we see in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we are given these marching orders no one is exempt from the marching orders. This isn't like for certain people, certain ones that have been called to this. This is for all of us. So we are given this incredible gift, and it is such a great gift. And we do get to have this beautiful relationship with Christ. But we're also given in that moment marching orders. Why? Why do we have to care about sharing? We sometimes share with people and they're so rude and mean and they don't want nothing to do with it. Why do we have to care? That's what I want to answer today. Pull out your notes. 
This first point in there, the first thing I want us to really take down is it's a command of faith. Here's what the verse says. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. So at the very first level of our faith, we need to begin to share it with others. You know, we tell people about things we're excited about, right? You have anyone in your life right now that's lost like 30 pounds, and then they tell you all about this new diet that they've been going on, right? They're like so excited. They're so, and they're telling you how, what you need to buy. Like it's only $100, but you get this can, and then if you drink it, you'll lose 30 pounds. And you're like, okay. And they're, they're moved by it because their life literally has been changed by it. They lost weight. It did a change in them. And so when you have a change like that, you're actually excited and you begin to share it with people, right? We get excited about our football teams. I don't know if you know this, but Fresno State won last night 48-3 to over UNLV. They're ranked 21st in the nation. I think they'll be higher after today. I'm very excited to see how high they go. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Fresno State should be in the national championship this year. <laughs> but when we're excited about something, we want to share it, especially when it's actually doing well and when it's doing something that's changing us in some way. We get excited about it. Why, why would we think faith is any different? When you begin to feel the experience of faith, you are supposed to want to share it in some way, or at least it should naturally be coming out of us. So when we talk about the first act, the reason why we care, it's because when you have faith, it's something you want to share. It's something that's coming out in everything you do. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we don't. Fear. Fear is a big one. We're afraid of what's going to happen when we share our faith with someone. I get that. Another one is knowledge. We struggle with knowledge, and we're like, if they ask me any question back, I'm going to be like, well, I don't know, but I'll ask my pastor. You know, we have that sort of fear, and then we have a lack of knowledge. We have baggage. We're afraid that when we share our faith, they're going to look at our life and go, well, I mean, if you're a Christian, I don't know if I want any part of that. that that's stuff that we shouldn't be thinking, but we are. Sometimes it's just apathy. You don't have time. You just never get around to it. That's a real bad one. I hope no one has that one. But there's these reasons that stop us, and we have to begin to push through because it's more about you than them. Now, their life can be changed, but that's between them and God. They're going to have a God moment. They'll have their come-to-Jesus moment when they get to choose, and it's God and, and that person has to figure that out. But for you, this is about you taking a step of faith. Think about that story in Acts 3 one more time. Peter and Paul walk up to this guy who just probably wants, I don't know, a little bit of money. And they decide in that moment to take a tiny step of faith. It doesn't sound tiny because we know how it ends. But think about what it really was. Stand up and walk. They could have grabbed this guy. He sort of stands up, and he doesn't quite make it. And they're like, okay, well, I guess God's doing something else. See, what's happening in their mind is they've seen everything that Jesus did. They've heard everything that Jesus said and then told them to do. And so now they're wanting to respond with a little step of faith. And so they take this step of faith, and it goes well, which is good. It could have went bad. 
and it could have fallen back down, and, and maybe a couple people laugh, but that would have been it. They would have kept going. But instead, they took a little step of faith, and they saw God do something big, so big that the guy's running around, and 2,000 people come to know Christ. And then they get thrown into jail. But we never see them complain about jail. We don't, they're like, they're fine with jail. You know why? They've already seen God move in the little step of faith that now when the big thing comes, we're thrown in jail for our faith. Imagine that. You're thrown in jail for your faith. They're not struggling with that because they've already seen God move in the little things. Catch this. God's doing that all the time in our lives. He's looking how we are responding with the little step. And if we will take these steps of faith, then we take a bigger step for faith. And then the challenging moment comes in your life. And we all will have these challenging moments. And in that challenging moment, you're okay because you've already seen God move in the first step of faith and the second step of faith. And you're finally at the big step and you're ready. You get that? It's a part of your faith. So as you're sharing and moving on a daily basis, you're building your faith stronger and stronger. The few, early on in my, my uh, youth pastoring days, like 20-something years ago, I want to show how old I am, but it was a long time ago, we took a group of kids to Mexico, and I had, I had a leader that wasn't a particularly good leader, one of my adults I took with me, and he kept leaving randomly to go to the, to the, like the store to grab milk or something. And I'm like, dude, we don't need milk. But he just always wanted to get away. We were working with orphans, and he's over here like shopping. But he'd always take a very pretty leader with him. You know, so it's one of those kind of shopping trips. And then he comes one day, and he says, uh, I, I crashed my car, but not real bad, just a little bit. But he wanted to make sure that the church was going to pay for his car to be fixed. As he's off shopping in the middle, it was just so maddening. I was so frustrated with this guy. So I'm in a room, and I have these other leaders, and I'm saying, we really need to do something about this leader. I'm not really sure what. And then I stop, and I grab, and I open the door, and here's that leader like this, listening. And he goes, oh, um, I just, and I, so I grab him, and I pull him into the room, and I'm like, dude. And I just lay into him. Like, I lay into him for a while. Uh, and It worked. Something about what in that moment, he, he changed. He was great from that point on. Uh, we're still friends. He's still a Facebook friend, which, you know, that, that goes for life. <laughs> and so the leaders in that room, a, a few days later, they go, how did you know that he was behind the door? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just felt something. There was like this feeling in me that I needed to stop and open the door. And so I responded to that moment. And it could have went, I open the door, I look around, okay, we're still good, I keep talking. No one would have thought anything of it. But because I was listening in that moment and I responded to what God was saying, it was a big moment. And it changed me. Here I am talking about it 20-something years later. It was this tiny step of faith that led to bigger steps of faith in my life. And it might have had a lasting effect in those leaders and that guy, I don't know. But I know that was one of those steps where I was listening to what God was saying. And so the next moment, the next time it came along, I listened again and again. And this is why we care to share. It's 
building our faith stronger and stronger and stronger. The next point in your notes that I really want you to catch today is that this is a life-giving message. The message is life-giving. Don't let the world continue to tell you that you're the weirdo. You know, you're constantly being told, like, you're the strange one. You're the one causing division and wars and everything else. Like, we have just a constant bombardment. And maybe not so much here, although you may feel that, but around the world. I mean, our missionaries around the world are getting hit. I'm going to India tomorrow, and there's like a list of things I can and cannot say. And when I walk through customs, I have this, all these rules of things I have to say and where I'm actually going to be and what I'm really doing while I'm there. And it's just so like, ugh. We're, we're being pushed back. And I want us to remember, we're giving an incredible message of hope and love, and it's life-giving. We're talking about a Savior that loves us, and he created us, and he has purpose for our life, and he's off creating the most beautiful place for us, and he's with us right now, living in us and giving us an abundant life. Don't ever forget that the message is awesome. And I want, I, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, but I just want you to be reminded that even though people say you're the weirdo, they're pushing back like you need to stop, don't. Because you're giving an incredible message of hope and joy and love. It's a life-giving message. John 3.16, you may have heard of it once or twice. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's the message we're giving. It's not a bad message. It's a life-giving message. So whenever you're sharing it with someone, know that, that you're a hero. And it might be weird to think of it that way, but I, want, I really want it to hit that hard. Like, you're a hero, be a hero, and give the Savior, it's a literal Savior you're giving to this person, like a hero would, to save their life for all of eternity. So know yourself as a hero when you're sharing this faith with people. Don't think of it as something that the world is telling you is not what you should be doing. You should be. And we should be doing it daily. We should be constantly finding people daily to give this life-giving message to. I asked someone that told their testimony to me really recently, a couple weeks ago. I said, can we share that testimony in here? And so I had her put it on video. So watch this. Someone who has been given this life-giving message right here in our church. Check out Nicole. My name is Nicole King. I'm 24 years old. I've been coming here to this church for several years since I was a child, but I've recently decided to come back after recommitting my life to Christ. It started in November when my grandmother passed away. She was the only grandmother that I knew, and it hit me harder than I expected it to. And come in December, I was told that my father had congestive heart failure. And come one day in February, I get a call from my brother. He says that dad's in the hospital. And I find out that my dad's heart is only functioning at 30% and he has pneumonia with fluid filled in his lungs. We really didn't know if he was going to make it. And it was the hardest point in my life because I had to prepare myself that I may not have my dad to walk me down the aisle 
or see my children or see me grow up. And during that same time, I went through my own personal traumatic experience and it changed me physically and emotionally for the rest of my life. And I felt so consumed with guilt and shame that I couldn't tell anyone. And um, eventually I came to hit rock bottom when I felt so consumed with guilt and so much pain of all this other circumstances that I came to have suicidal thoughts because I felt that I had no right to live, which was the lowest point in my life. I tried to reach out for help. I tried to reach out to my friends and tried to get therapy help. It just wasn't working. That is when I realized that the answer to my pain is forgiveness. So I prayed and I cried out to God and I just pleaded to God to take my pain away that no medicine and no therapy could do. So I came to church that Sunday for the first time and I don't remember when. And I just said, I want to learn about God and I want to learn about forgiveness. And the pastors here helped guide me they were non-judgmental, they were loving and caring, and they told me that God wants me to be needy, and he wants to hear my pain, and he will help heal me. So I've slowly been walking back to my Christian faith, and not only that, but I've completely recommitted, and I've given my life from now on to Christ, because I realize that my choices are not going to give me the life I want. He can only do that. He can forgive me of a pain that I can't forgive myself of. And he will walk beside me like he always has, but now I know he's there and I can feel his presence. Amen. Thank you, Nicole, for letting us share that. When we, uh, in two weeks, we have our Thanksgiving dinner here at 5 p.m. and we're going to be telling a bunch of our testimonies of what happened this year. Nicole's going to give a little bit more of that story, and so I'm excited about that coming up. When we, someone on the way out of the last service, they said to me, you know, it's interesting about when we share this life-giving message, everything in heaven about ourselves gets better. We get better at everything in our life. The only thing that doesn't get better is the way we share this message here on earth right now. That we won't do anymore. It's the one thing you can be doing right here on a daily basis that can be just changing people's lives constantly, which brings us to the third point in your notes. This is how the story ends. So in Matthew 24, 14, it says this, And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Have you ever been watching the news and have just see negative story and horrible, horrific events happening around the world, and you're like, God, what in the world are you doing? Like, why do we have to continue to be in this world and it just keeps going and going? Can we please move on to the next phase? I'm excited about the next phase. And I think God's up there going, yeah, exactly, exactly. I told you how the story ends, and yet you're here watching the news, like, you're part of the story. And as soon as everyone has a chance to hear about this message, I actually care about those neighbors around you, about those other countries that don't know me. I created them too. I have a purpose for them, and I love them. And I have chosen you to be part of their story. 
You're part of the plan. I mean, I think about who God is. God could do it a lot of different ways. He's the creator of the world. And he specifically writes that you're the part of the story that tells everyone, that everyone has an opportunity to hear this message through you and I. So until everyone's had that opportunity, I think we just keep going and going and going. So help me out. Let's get to the end of the story. Let's begin sharing with everyone we know so that we can be in that next phase. I was so surprised right here in your Belinda. It's happened three times, and I'll never forget them, but I, I like to sell things on Craigslist. I shouldn't say I like to sell things. I don't really like it. I just do it. I sell things on Craigslist. And you know that awkwardness when they first come up and you're like, okay, you're not going to murder me, right? Hey, that's the first conversation you have. And so you just have a little chit-chat, and you're like, what do you do? Yeah, here's the product. And, you, and so I get to say I'm a pastor every time, and it always comes up. And so it's kind of this interesting moment for people. And sometimes, at least three, they've been like, well, what, do you, like, what is that? What does a pastor do? I'm all, well, you know, we tell people about Jesus Christ and help people and stuff. And they're like, Jesus Christ, what do you mean? I go, you know, Jesus and so I have to, like, back up and go, the, you know how the world was created by God? And they're all, God? And so then I'm like, okay, there was Adam and Eve, and I walk through the whole story. And literally there was the time when the, someone was attending our church that had gone through that with me on Craigslist and accepted Christ through Craigslist. And I just thought, these are my neighbors, this isn't like a problem for Cambodia, although I'm sure there's a few people that don't know Christ there. It's also right here, right now. And so when you are going around your neighborhood, this isn't like you take your trash cans out and you're like, hey, come to Jesus. You need to know Jesus. No, it's just conversations where you're pulling people in. Come over, let's have a barbecue, meet people. You've got to put yourself in scenarios to share with people. And maybe it's joining a gym or a club, but you, there's these times when I'm telling things like this, and they say, well, everyone I know is a Christian. And I just want to go, everyone you know is a Christian, huh? Okay, cross face. I'm not a violent person, but I think, really? Everyone you know is a Christian? You need to maybe venture out a little bit more and get yourself out there because the Bible is calling us constantly to be sharing and caring for those around us. Get yourself out there. So I gave you some action steps. You know you're going, we're going to get out of here without some serious action steps. So in your notes, I want you to write these down, things you're going to do this week. The first, we'll go all the way back to the beginning of this message. It starts with your good deeds. You have to show Christ. It's a light on a stand. So what's that one thing you're going to do that you're going to begin to show who Christ is just through your actions? has to start there. Then the second thing in your notes there is, what's that one, who is that one new person that I'm going to share Christ with this week? I hope that you'll somehow add these components to a weekly thing going on, some kind of journal, some kind of way of, in which you're reminding yourself to do it weekly. But let's just start with this week. And the way I want you to start is that third action step. Who will keep you accountable with these two things this week? We don't do this very often, but... I want you to take a moment and uh, text in church. I know none of you would normally do that ever, but you can take out your phone, and I want you to text that person right now and say, hey, pastor's challenging me. 
So I need to send these two things to you, and you keep me accountable this week to do these two things. If we'll do it this one week, maybe it'll begin to form a habit that's life-changing. So in this song that's about to play, go ahead and text that person to keep you accountable. And as some of you are writing, there's a chance that someone's come in today that hasn't taken that first step of faith. And so we just don't want to let this opportunity go by without also giving you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I do believe it's a relationship and it's a series of faith steps all the way till we're with him again. But the first faith step, the small faith step at the very beginning is just saying yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I believe. I don't know all that that means yet. I'm still trying to figure it all, the, all the details out. But Lord, I want to say yes. It feels right. I need to step into this. So if you're in this room and you're in that moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes. I'm not going to pull you up front. I'm not going to do anything embarrassing. That first step's just going to be a hand raised and say, yeah, that's me. Pray for me. I need to take that first step of faith. Just lift it up. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. It's a lot of you. Make sure you tell someone. Keep the accountability. Take those steps forward. And for the rest of you, as, as I pray and then we go into this song, text someone in this song. God, I thank you, Lord, for those hands. And I thank you for today. Just even Peter and Paul's step of faith with that guy, Lord. Let us have that same type of faith. Take those little steps that will lead to big steps. And it may not have seemed little to them, but what you take them to next, uh, they're ready for it because they took that step. Lord, let us do the same in our life right now. In Jesus' name.